0: Well, welcome. I'm glad you're all here. This is a good crowd. We've been a little bit small the last few weeks, and that's okay. Um, So, we're going to do a few different practices, and then after that, (coughs) I'm going to give a talk that's supposed to encourage you, and that'll be it. So, um, has anybody never meditated before? Okay, good. That's That's normal so um, i do like to give the instructions every time even when it's people that i know have gotten the instructions before it just helps to remind myself and to remind others i think so go ahead and sit up as straight as you can and i've always found that if i start to slouch um, my mind starts wandering and my back starts to hurt and it's just unpleasant so it always helps to um, once in a while just know oh i'm slouching and then straighten myself so That's what I I tend to think about. It's really important to have a straight back. When I used to teach kids how to meditate, I would tell them to pretend there was a string holding up their back straight, and that's kind of creepy now that I think about it. But just keep your back straight or your your back's going to hurt eventually. And I like to do an eyes-open practice. Um, That said, though, if you'd like to meditate with your eyes closed, I do think that's okay. But what I do is I have my vision, my gaze, a little bit downward, so I'm looking at a part of the floor that's not very interesting, so I won't get distracted. Um, I found that if I meditate with my eyes closed, I start imagining things, but I know everybody's different and a lot of people really love to meditate with their eyes closed, so I do think it's okay. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have my my attention right there, that spot on the floor right there. And let's see back. So I sit in the half lotus position, as you can see here, which is just a foot on top of my knee and the other foot tucked underneath. And that makes it so my feet don't fall asleep, so I really like it. But that being said, those of you that are in chairs, um, what I would say is just have your feet in one place on the floor and try not to move them. Just kind of firmly plant them on the floor. And the reason for this, and I'll, I'll say the same thing when I talk about what to do with our hands, the reason for this is if we don't have a plan for what our parts are doing, then it can be a point of distraction. We can fidget very easily. And that's what we're trying to avoid. So hands, I have two different hand positions I recommend. And one of them, I call it the bowl, um, but people that are into fancy terminology, they call it the cosmic mudra, which I think is ridiculous, but it's just hand on top of hand, thumbs gently touching. So we don't want to be like this. We want thumbs gently touching, rest in your lap. And some people attach a lot of importance to what hand is underneath what hand, but I don't, I don't think it matters. And then that's one position I recommend. The other one I recommend is just, it's called relaxation, it's just, Hands on your knees. Just like this. And I I think both of these are equally good, whatever works better for you. It's just, again, the point is to have a plan, because if we don't have a plan, then it's very easy to start fidgeting. I'm a a heavy fidgeter, so I need strict instructions for myself. So, so we will begin with a... Are there any questions about any of that position stuff? Okay. We're going to begin with a practice called the healing breath. And it is a very slow breathing exercise. It's designed to kind of separate us from our day-to-day life and bring us to a a different space for the meditation. And what the healing breath is, is it's a very slow, we breathe in for a count of five. And we hold our breath for a count of five. And then we breathe out for a count of five. We do that that three times. So I'll, I'll show you. It looks like this. So, and I really like that as a bookend for meditation practice. And then it's also a thing, a a portable practice that can be used anytime. um, If I'm struggling with something, if I'm stuck in traffic, if the kids aren't listening or whatever, I can center myself. I can just say, okay, I'm going to do a healing breath and I'm going to think more clearly in this frustrating situation. But it's great as a bookend for meditation. So we're going to do that three times. So I'm going to instruct you, go ahead and breathe in. your breath, breathe out, breathe in, hold your breath, breathe out, breathe in, Hold your breath. Breathe out. So now um, we're gonna do the practice that's called mindfulness of breathing. And that was to prepare us for this practice we're gonna do. And what I want you to do is bring your attention to your breath—that's entering and leaving your body. It's something that's happening all the time, all our lives, but we don't pay attention to it unless there's a problem, really. So we're that—that that is what makes it a helpful anchor for our meditation practice. So I want you to. There's two. There's two versions of this, and one option is you bring your attention to your nose, to the air coming in and going out, and the other option. Um, if that's very difficult is you can bring your attention to the way your belly rises and falls and we're not going to try to manipulate our breath we're not going to try to breathe very slowly or anything we're just going to pay attention to it and what I want to invite you to do is what's called the practice of counting and that is on your next in-breath mentally note one and on the out breath mentally note two that way every time something comes into your mind to distract you every time you hear a sound and you think what is that or you think what am i doing after this or why am i here we just go back to one on the next in breath we don't beat ourselves up when we lose track of the meditation we just go back to one So we're going to do that for a few minutes, just in one, out two, in one, out two. And we will do that for a few minutes and then we'll do another practice. So just, and don't beat yourself up when you struggle, when you are distracted or when you're very distracted and you're bringing your mind back to your breath again and again and again, just go back to one. One is always there to go back to, and that's what's really good about it. It's always there to go back to. want to invite you to release the breath as your anchor, and we're going to shift our attention. We're not going to move. We're um, going to keep the same position, but we're going to shift our attention into the practice that's called just sitting. So instead of using the breath as our anchor, the intention is we will not have an anchor at all. We will just try to be fully present with our experience and just notice everything that's happening so when i hear whatever that sound is i just notice i hear that sound and i don't want to go in a train of thought and start thinking oh what is that sound when is that sound going to stop but rather just hear the sound and just notice i'm hearing a sound and the same if i have a daydream just notice i'm having a daydream but not get carried away in the train of thought that's the intention We'll do that for just a few minutes, just being trying to be fully present with our experience and not get carried away with any thoughts or memories or dreams. like to invite you to do the healing breath with me again to close our meditation practice and we'll do it three times again so go ahead and breathe in hold your breath You all for being here. Um, are there any questions or comments about those practices we just did? The <coughs>
1: accreditation of the anchor mm-hmm. seems to be a something more advanced technique. Do I have that a, a, lot of, a lot
0: of people find it very difficult. <laughs> yes, so the intention is that the following the breath gets us kind of to a more stable place so we're ready for the effortless or formless practice. So, um, I like to give little talks at these. So, I have a little talk prepared, and this talk's called, Here's the thing about meditation practice. (laughs) I could have done better, but here's the thing about meditation practice. Um, Like anything else that's designed to make us better people, we are gonna get out of it what we put into it. So, when I first started meditating, I did what maybe a lot of people do where I just did it when I felt like it. When I was inspired to meditate then I would sit down and meditate. So what did that lead to? Not doing it very much. So I didn't do it consistently and my practice was very rare and that's a habit I fall into very easily and that's sort of why I created this elaborate situation where I, I have to do it. I can't get away with not doing it because I'm, I'm here. So. I found in that period when I didn't do it consistently and when I fall off the wagon, when I don't do it consistently, I also don't get a lot out of it. I don't feel more mi- mindful in my life. And I think a lot of people, they just start and they do it a couple times and they don't do it very consistently. And so they quit, I think it happens a lot. And that's why, because people just do it a couple of times, then they feel like, oh, I'm never gonna be good at this. So they quit without really giving themselves a chance we want results and the truth is even even when you start to feel like you're more mindful more compassionate more aware in your life even then still not doing it's very tempting because we're sort of addicted to not paying attention and not being fully present so i'm going to tell you what I do and I would encourage you to try to do something like what I do but I wouldn't shame you if you don't but I would just say that what I like to do is I like to I put the kids to bed and then I meditate for 10 minutes and I do that at home and then I come here and I do a longer practice and it kind of supercharges my practice cuz it's a longer practice here so if you're able to do it at home um I do recommend that. I like to do it. I put the kids to bed and then I do it. I think first thing in the morning and at night before bed are the best times just because there's the least going on. And I also think that just 10 minutes makes a big difference. So if you can do that, if you are able to meditate at home, to find a a place in your home that is not chaotic, which is hard for some of us, but a place that's kind of clean and kind of quiet where you can do it, and it also does help to do it in the same place every day, rather than just, today I'll meditate in the library, today I'll meditate in the living room, today, rather than that, it it helps to have the same place over and over, it's sort of, um, we have, we don't notice when it's happening, but we have these neural pathways in our brain that if we are in this place where we meditate, it kind of gets us a little bit ready beforehand, because subconsciously we know to expect to enter these states and then so if you can meditate at home i think that's very good and then you come here for a longer meditation and some encouragement and if you want to just do it here that's okay but i think we're just scratching the surface of what we can accomplish because if we meditate a little bit then we're going to be a little bit more mindful a little bit more relaxed but if we meditate regularly and a lot then we can transform our lives and that it can make a big difference so next i want to talk about obstacles to our practice and i want to know um if any of you have ideas for what are things that make meditation hard and if nobody wants to speak up that's okay i've got a list here but i'm wondering if anybody wants to share what makes meditation hard
2: Uh, yeah i was just experiencing tonight um Because of multiple sclerosis, you never know what's gonna happen with your body. And um, I usually meditate sitting up. Uh, I used to, before I was symptomatic, I sat like you do, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's become difficult. And now I've noticed that anytime I have my legs bent, my foot falls asleep <laughs> oh. so my left foot falling asleep so what are your feelings of if you just you know like i sit with my legs up resting on so, or something.
0: so two things one is do you think if you lay down you'll fall asleep yeah. okay i always do when i try to meditate laying like down. so um then the second option is yeah well next time let's put a chair in front of you you can put okay. your feet up that's okay yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's not a problem. Put your feet up, definitely. Feet falling asleep is a terrible problem because it's going to take all your attention, right?
2: Like I said, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. So.
1: <laughs> just a little note, because I have not knee problems, but at home if you put your feet on something, make sure that it's at a downward angle from your body instead of straight out. Okay. Because then you'll have the same issue, the blood flow. So you'll want just like a... Makes sense. Yes? Not so much an obstacle to the routine, but for myself personally, when I first started meditating about a year ago, I was doing it in short 5 10 minute intervals using the various apps that are out there. And I did this for a period of about a month or two, and I didn't notice anything changing about my ability to be in the moment, my awareness and how but when I jacked that up to a solid 30, 20 or 30 minutes of practice, the benefits were phenomenal. I don't actually have any data to support this as a uh, as a widespread phenomenon. But if any of you find difficulties with uh, progress, make progress, maybe you try meditating for longer periods of time. Can I ask you based on what you just said, and you said
2: you do guided meditation, which do you
1: Prefer, which do you? I'm still a novice, so I do prefer the guided meditations. But I'm I'm pretty confident I could uh, do it more i one. necessary. So. And the mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, I don't I don't use anything when I'm when I'm home. I just am sitting. I don't use any sort of app or anything. That's, that said, it's not. I don't judge those things. I just,
1: I hadn't used one just because I didn't. Okay. I think using
2: a, a timer has helped me as well I use just inside timer which is a nice gong sound otherwise if I don't use it if I
0: don't have my timer then I'm thinking okay, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. how long have I been? You, you'll tend to think oh I've probably been sitting for 30 <coughs> minutes and then you look oh, eight minutes great <laughs> <laughs> that'll happen ever- we sat for 30 minutes tonight by the way if anybody- including the instructions so really like 26 or 25 minutes um Okay, so I just want to talk about a few things that are obstacles to practice that I think people have sometimes. And one is what I call making deals, and that is when we tell ourselves, oh I, I should meditate today, but I'm gonna I'll meditate longer later instead of meditating today. And the thing about that is you're not gonna meditate longer later, right? So um, that's a thing a lot of people do. And that's the thing I do. Anyway, and then another thing, and this is, I really struggled with this in the beginning when I first started practicing. It's called, I call it seeking perfection. And that is just, I would meditate today, but I'm tired or I'm having a bad day or my imagination's really active or whatever. Just waiting for the perfect day to meditate. That's not going to work. Um, and that was the thing I really struggled with. I really wanted the, the perfect day to practice when I've had enough sleep. And when I'm not thinking about all sorts of things, but I don't think that's real. So, and then another thing is just sort of losing sight of what we're doing. So this is meant to improve our our lives. And if we start to think of it, if we don't think of it in that light, if we start to think of it as a chore, then it can be really, really challenging to keep doing. If we just think, Oh, I gotta go meditate. We don't wanna have that attitude if we can help it. So, what we really wanna have is a belief that it's something good that we're doing for ourselves. And some people like to use the word faith for that, and I think that's a really loaded word, and I think a lot of people have baggage around that word. So, I just wanna say a belief that it's doing good for us, that it helps us to live a more meaningful life, and that being present in our experience is a good thing. If we have that mindset, I want to be fully present. I want to... You know, when I talk to someone, I want to be able to just pay attention to them and not be daydreaming, so I'm not paying attention. So if we have that mindset, we can start to take the practice more seriously. And when we take the practice more seriously, then that's when we're ready to put down our, our shits and really be real and really be here. And often in life... We don't even know when we're not present, and that's part of our problem too. And I've found it in my meditation practice, I kind of know, and so kind of it seems bad because I know, oh, I'm not present very often, but it's, I'm, that was true already, right? I'm just bringing awareness to that. So we can start to see this practice as time well spent. Um, and I wanted to ask if any of you have things you think you need to help yourself have a regular practice. I think having the routine of coming here is what helps me, but um, does anyone else have ideas of what they might need that would help? And if not, that's okay.
1: Well, I uh, second the the notion that routine is paramount uh, having a consistent time and place that you do it. Uh, There is a particular uh, technique for forming habits, Accomplishing goals—it's the acronym SMART. It stands for specific, measurable, uh, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. <clears throat> A good goal has all of those aspects: specific, when, where, attainable, something you can accomplish, uh, sorry, measurable, so how long you do it. Um, you have to have methods for measuring how, how if you're improving attainable, something you can actually accomplish, relevant, something that actually is relevant to your goals, and time-bound, uh, having an actual, uh, 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 well, yeah, having, having a routine idea, like how, how often you're going to, you're, you're working towards, toward, to the routine or the goal. Uh, so that's helped me a lot, if that helps anyone else.
0: i so much. much. This is only sort of related, but I have heard, I don't know anyone that's really done this, but I have heard that there are people who decide they want to start meditating and then they just decide, oh, I'm just going to do it an hour every day yeah. right away. And then those people overwhelm themselves and they fall apart because they didn't, they didn't set a reasonable goal. Yeah, because it's like,
2: oh, I'm going to start exercising, but well, you don't start by running five miles. Well, oh, right. It's the same thing.
0: People try to do that and they, they have a tough time. Yeah. I,
1: have to find time, like, <laughs> I do so much yeah. stuff. I don't even know what the word for that fallacy is, but I think New Year's resolution fallacy is a good one. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's the same principle why people's New Year's resolutions never work out. So they just jump straight into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I set uh, reminders for myself, like I'm aware of when I need to leave my house to be to work on time. But I still have a reminder on my phone that goes off that says, you know, leave ASAP at a certain time. Um, I have reminders that pop up on my work computer of saying, hey, it's about that time, you need to take your 15-minute break just so you don't get overwhelmed with work. Um, When I need to prep stuff the night before to get ready for work, I have a... If I do it, then I turn the reminder off. But just in case I don't do it, I have that reminder. And it's not because I'm forgetful. It just helps me be in the moment of knowing this is something that needs to be done and you need to make sure you do it. So I find for myself, sitting little reminders helps me remember to do
0: stuff. Just having something to signal to you, stop what you're doing. I have... I oh, I'm sorry. I was no. going to say, I know what
2: my process of work is every day. I still make myself a written out to-do list and as I do each bit of my job that I need to, I check it off.
0: I have... Um, Okay, so at work, I have Microsoft Outlook on my computer, and I set, I have the calendar. There's the calendar there, and I put things in there. So while I don't set timers on my phone, but I have the calendar to will tell me, hey, in 15 minutes, you have a meeting. Oh, okay, so that's sort of the same. Okay, so um, I guess we're finished. So I want to thank everyone for coming. Um, I have a sign-in sheet, and there's a donation bowl over there, and if you feel compelled to donate, you can, but... If you can't donate, if you can't donate, then please don't. But if you can, then uh, do. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never charge for this, but I do pay for this, so I will take donations. Thank you.
2: Can I give one more uh, yeah. thing that I do? I bring Buddy. Um, <laughs> 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 I bring her to these when I'm at home. I- talk my husband or my kid into meditating
1: with me. <laughs> and accountability.
0: And yeah, support exactly. Oh yeah, everybody, homework. Bring a friend next time. <laughs> <laughs> so I oh. the trying to get
2: comfortable doing things yeah. so. um, We
0: are not meeting next week. Okay. My daughter has a concert, so I won't be here. So, be here so we're meeting at the
2: concert. yeah <laughs> Yes! <laughs> yes. yes. What's, wait, what, what's
0: Parker the video? Hocker Grove Middle School? No. <laughs> two, weeks, two weeks from today. Come back. Okay.
2: Do you want to just meditate at your house next time?